This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Thursday, July 26, 2007. I'm Caleb Brown. A Financial Times-Harris poll indicates that citizens of rich countries view globalization as an overwhelmingly negative force. As such, citizens of Europe and the United States want higher taxes on the wealthy to iron out what they believe are globalization's inequities. But what underlies this attitude? Is it simply questions being asked in a vacuum? Or is globalization really that unpopular? Cato Institute Vice President for Research Brink Lindsay weighs in on the possible impact. Do the results of this poll indicate some new wave of protectionism? I don't really think so. Uh, at least in the United States, the, the numbers that indicate support for or opposition to globalization and, and freer trade bop up and down. Uh, they're, they're never particularly uh, rosy from a free trader's perspective uh, as – Cato adjunct scholar uh, Brian Kaplan has written about in his new book, uh, The Myth of the Rational Voter, uh, which we have excerpted in a policy analysis for Cato. Public opinion is woefully ill-informed about economics, and there's a whole bunch of economic illiteracy that shapes uh, people's views about the economy. And in particular, on the issue of, of trade, there is a lot of widespread public misunderstanding about the effects of trade. And so we see fairly weak support for the creative destruction of international commerce. So I think uh, these numbers aren't especially new or surprising, at least in the American context. The benefits of globalization are all around us, but they often express themselves as savings on certain products that might otherwise cost a lot more. So in essence, it's hard to expect the public to see the benefits of globalization since they didn't pay the price that they would have otherwise paid. The news you get about public attitudes about globalization is is very sensitive to how you ask the question. Uh, and in fact, I think public opinion is really incoherent about trade and globalization. If you ask people, are they worried about the effect on jobs and outsourcing of jobs overseas and having to compete with people who make a dollar a day and, and those kinds of things, you're going to get a, a very uh, uh, strong populist response. Uh, if you ask people, uh, do you want to pay more for all of those toys at Christmas time that come from China? Do you want to pay more for all the electronics that are uh, whose components are produced and assembled around the world? Uh, then they say no. Uh, so, um, so when it comes to uh, kind of diagnosing a problem, that there's this problem of unfair trade or a problem of globalization, uh, people will respond to that. But when it comes to a prescription, okay, let's make all the stuff you buy uh, a lot more expensive, uh, people aren't so uh, excited about that. How culpable are free traders in not necessarily being able to make the case that of the great benefits of globalization? Well, their free traders are certainly frustrated uh, because they've been making uh, the case for uh, open markets and uh, the principle of comparative advantage and and specialization in, in international markets uh, for you know two centuries and counting. Uh, Adam Smith uh, pretty much uh, wiped the floor uh, with uh, uh, the protectionists back uh, in 1776, and ever since then there has been an overwhelming uh, consensus amongst economists uh, that. Uh, open trade benefits uh, a country, even if other countries are, are maintaining uh, protectionist policies. It's it's one of uh, the most durable and uh, robust consensuses amongst economists that there is, uh, and yet and the public uh, remains uh, fairly resistant uh, to uh, learning these lessons. It's it's not an intuitive 
it's, it's not intuitive to most people. Most people tend to think of trade as a kind of a zero-sum game uh, so that if other countries are doing better, uh, we must be doing uh, worse off. If other countries are exporting more to us and we're importing more, then that must mean we're producing less and we're running out of jobs. Uh, so there's a lot of very kind of basic economic misconceptions that feed into uh, skeptical attitudes about trade. For politicians, globalization remains a popular whipping boy when assigning blame for job losses. Absolutely. American public opinion has a clear double standard uh, about the effects of the creative destruction of the marketplace. When, uh, if you lose your job uh, because a, a particular operation is automated, um, then people, uh, those people lose their jobs, they're dislocated, they have to deal with the, the hassles and inconvenience and perhaps real uh, traumas associated with that. Uh, uh, and yet the enterprise becomes more productive because they've lowered costs. The exact same thing happens if those people lose their jobs because the operation is outsourced to China. Uh, there's dislocation, and uh, and yet for the uh, enterprise, there's productivity improvements. Um, in American public opinion, uh, we're... Uh, we're good uh, about understanding the trade-offs when it comes to technological progress. We understand that competition means dislocation, it means change, it means people have to adapt, um, uh, as opposed to Europe where they have much more kind of, uh, rigid labor market policies that try to prevent jobs from being eliminated for any reason. Uh, but uh, when, it comes to, um, when it comes to job losses caused by international trade, we have a very different standard, and we think it's terribly unfair, and we ought to do something about it. Uh, the fact is, according to uh, Labor Department research, something like 3 or 4% of total mass layoffs in this country every year occur because jobs are shipped overseas. So that's, that's 96, 97% of, of layoffs uh, that have an entirely uh, different explanation. Uh, the fact is a modern, complex capitalist economy has an enormous amount of job churn. Jobs are being created and destroyed all the time. Uh, trade is a part of that process, but a relatively minor part, and yet it attracts all of the, uh, uh, all of the anxiety and all the demagoguery. Brink Lindsay is the Cato Institute's Vice President for Research. This is the Cato Daily Podcast. Please consider making a donation to the Cato Institute at our website, cato.org.